Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. Also, my, my big uh, kind of one-liner is millennials aren't the problem. They just expose all the problems. It's intercepted. Picked up by Alex Molden. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life. From current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. So my next guest is someone who I met through another good friend of mine. And I'm always looking to make connection with people who have had success, who have done some great things in different areas. And this gentleman has done exactly that. He's authored a, a bestseller. He's, he's, a, he's an internationally known speaker who, who goes in and, and speaks with different uh, Fortune 500 companies such as Nike, Walmart, Verizon, Nestle, He's, he's even spoken on Good Morning America, y'all. So he has a lot of experience, and he has a lot of experience dealing with the millennials and what they want and what's important to them and how to get most out of them. And so I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to have uh, Chris Tuff. Chris, welcome to the Shark Effect, my man. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Let's do this thing. Yeah, yeah, yes, indeed. So, so tell me, what, what is a millennial? So we're talking about an application, 39-year-olds down to 24-year-olds. And then past that, it's Gen Z. So, you know, one of the things that I'm very upfront with any audience is that, you know, millennials, we, we throw this kind of generational kind of nomenclature on this, this age group. And it's a massive amount of people. We're talking about 75 million people. And, you know, it's also my, my big uh, kind of one-liners, millennials aren't the problem. They just expose all the problems. And if you look deep down at all the things that millennials want from their leaders, as well as an organization, it's all stuff we all want. But we've just had this failure to adapt in the same way, you know, we were so quick to adapt to technology, but we're so slow to adapt our corporations. And what COVID has taught us is those that are able to adapt faster, that uh, actually incorporated a lot of these things that the millennials have been looking for, or have, have, have made it out um, probably the healthiest of all of them. And so, you know, my big emphasis also is that like, you know, we can't just, we have five generations in the workplace right now. And so things have got to change and we got to start meeting in the middle. And a lot of my speeches are, how can we do that more effectively? But also, you know, how can we understand 
you know, even older millennials are very different than younger millennials. You know, the 38 year olds and 39 year olds are very different than those in their late 20s. And so how can we create tracks and environments and cultures where everyone can thrive? Mm. Now, what do they want? What those millennials, whether so, they the late 20s or the late 30s, what are sure. they looking for in the workforce? And what's interesting is, is if you look at leadership traits, it's actually no different than older millennials, younger millennials, and Gen Zers. And what they're looking for, let's focus on leadership. What they want is inspirational leadership. They want autonomy and they want transparency. And either any one of those we can, we can talk about. And, you know, I know we're up talking to probably other big Nike fans. So I'm, I'm very um, sensitive to bringing this one up. But in researching that number two thing. I think inspirational leadership is pretty well understood, right? Mm -hmm. It's the guys that, it's the, it's the leaders, the men and women that put a stake in the ground and they tell their people, this is where we're going, let's go, let's get fired up, this is what we're doing. And I can talk about what some of the tactics um, that we could all start utilizing, rewards and recognition being one of those important pieces to be a better inspirational leader. But autonomy is one that really, I struggled with, as I did more and more research, I worked directly with Vander Vanderbilt University on a lot of those uh, data points and the research. And, you know, I decided that, all right, I got to figure this one out. So I went to Google and I said, number one boss for millennials. And sure enough, Ben Kirshner out of Philadelphia was called out by Forbes as the number one boss for millennials. So I called up Ben and I was like, listen, Ben, I got to hear about what you're doing around autonomy. And he was like, oh, I got a good one for you. Are you an Under Armour fan? I was like, I am not, Ben. I am a Nike fan, but please explain. And he said, well, listen, have you ever seen their campaign um, uh, where it's protect this house? So I was like, yeah, tell me more. He goes, well, first of all, anytime I talk to someone is I ask them, do you have a house worth protecting? Do you have a culture that your people are willing to protect that house? And if you don't, then you got to start at ground zero. But if you do, remind your people at every turn, it's up to them to protect this house. And not only that, but take autonomy is best reflected in protect this house. So anytime I get with my people, I tell them, listen, it's up to you all to protect this house. If there's a bad culture fit on the team, it's up to you to spit them out. If you want to talk about unlimited paid vacation, it's up to you to cover for one another. I shouldn't be coming in and nor should your manager, your boss's boss. Don't worry about us. You guys protect this house and let's hold up that bar high. I was like, I love that. And so you look at some of this stuff and it's like, he's got a really good point. And, you know, transparency is another one that I love to talk to uh, about Alex is because, you know, transparency is oftentimes misinterpreted as one of two extremes. And they think that transparency means that it, we all have to be transparent with our, um, all of our financial disclosures and what everyone makes and what our profit margins is and it's transparency is not that. Or they think it's the other side of the spectrum where it's, we got a Brene Brown this thing. And they're like, Chris, I don't want to cry in front of my people. I'm like, no, it's not vulnerability in this sense. Although vulnerability and a piece of that is important. Mm -hmm. What they mean by transparency is context. Why are you making the decisions that you're making and just put together those data points so instead of trying to create a bright, rosy picture, which is how a lot of Gen Xers were brought up, you only share the good news, right? Mm. And I, I think to a certain extent, boomers had a similar trait. Instead of doing that, you talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and then how you're getting better because of those things. So if you lose a new business pitch, talk about why you lost it and then what you learned along the way and how you're going to be getting better. Or during COVID, you've had to let a handful of people go give them the data points as to why you're making those decisions. And when you do that, people are like, oh, now I get it. I understand why I have to, at a dentist, pick up the phone every single time it rings because they're paying $10 per click. Like, we just got to give our people data, right? Yeah, and when we yeah. do that, it's like, all right, uh, it makes it a lot easier. So that's kind of from a leadership perspective, um, what, what I like to emphasize. Man, you know, what's interesting is some of the points that you just talked about, especially the one on culture, is I can remember when I was playing football, whether it's in the pros or in college, the bad teams and the good teams. The good teams 
we had a culture where it wasn't just about the, um, you're talking about protect this house, right? It wasn't just about yeah. the coaches. It was the leaders. It was the players that we protect the house. Like we set a standard that, hey, if you're not meeting that standard, we're, we're, you're going to hear not from the coaches. You're going to hear from your, your players that's playing beside you. It's like, man, hey, totally. we're looking to do something special here. And the, and the way that you're working and the way that you're going about your business, that's not, that's not us. That's not the culture that we want. And so, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. So when you was talking about that, I had a big smile on my face. So, well, and it's so funny. I mean, it's like, I talk to more people, a lot of young people where they're just not excited about their job. And if you look at the statistics, it's staggering. 87% of people that of employees don't really like their job. And the biggest 87%. issue of 87%, and that's that's something I, I heard in the podcast, is some, in some form or fashion, are not fulfilled by their job. And a lot of times, the reason for it is because people feel suffocated. They feel like they constantly have a thumb on top of them. And um, if, you take, if you take away all the data, that's really the biggest thing. People feel like they're being constrained and that they're not being empowered to lead. And so we got to shift the pendulum to the other side on all that. Mm, so give them tools to lead and and the permission to do it themselves mm, got it i love that so i want to dive into your story like what was you yeah. after college right after college how did you because we you know we was talking before before the interview and you had a crazy number of job interviews what was that number yeah 64. So I, I, I'll tell people, and I, you know, when I was uh, last at Nike, I was telling them, and they kind of like shook their head laughing, but I had 64 failed job interviews until Lucky 65th came along. And, you know, one of the things that I, I tell a lot of audiences as to why that's important is because it is through that process of 64 failed job interviews that you kind of go through this Plinko game of, of life and understand a little bit of what fires you up and fuels you up and where your passions live. And, you know, there's a reason why I didn't get those first 64 is because I wasn't really passionate about what I was going after. And then I fell into this job um, at a digital advertising firm. That was 2003. And I, you know, digital was just coming back. There were 13 employees and over a four year period, I grew from being the 13th employee to when there was like almost 500 people. And I made five, even after that, I made five lateral job moves to where my dad, who's British, he always gives me in a very British fashion um, feedback over like a nice dinner. He'll take me to like that, that um, feedback in the Chris, what are you doing with your life kind of thing? Okay. And um, he, he sets me down. He was like, Chris, like it's been, you've been there four and a half years and you're still making 30, uh, $28,000. Like, what is happening? Like, stop bouncing around so much. I was like, dad, listen, it's going to be worth it. I know it. But I, I just fell into this place that is very close. I'm so excited about what I'm doing. I'm working, you know, I was working directly with Mark Zuckerberg and some of his products and, you know, in this wow. kind of emerging world of digital and social was just being born. And he kind of looked at me skeptically. He was like, all right. And, you know, it was true in that you know, it was right around that time that I also, I, I ridiculous things tend, it started to happen. And when you start falling in that zone of passion and where passion, purpose, and profession all overlap, I, I tell people ridiculous things tend to happen. Say and, that one you know, more I time. Say that one more time for me, Chris. Passion. When, when, when your passion, uh, when, when you're that, when basically everything that you're doing, right. Mm -hmm. And in your profession meets that place of intersection with, you sow profession and then your passions. And, and when that, when those things collide, amazing things happen, you mm -hmm. know? So it's passion, purpose, and profession. Like that's it. That's it. And passion, purpose, and profession. And, you know, I, I tell the story of how I had one of the first viral videos where, uh, you know, in order we had to prove, I had the owner of the agency come to me and they're like, so Chris, Verizon Wireless wants a uh, their first viral video. And I was like, awesome, what's a viral video? She was like, I don't really know. I think it's if you get like a million views of a video. 
this is before YouTube. Yeah, okay. And I was like, okay. all right, all right. I'll, I'll, uh, so she was like, so if you can get a viral video, we'll prove to them that we can do it. And it was right around the time I was courting my wife patiently for about four months. And I was like, I'm going to put a ring on this, right? So I uh, had a buddy who was a cameraman for MTV film my engagement where uh, secretly, where I was running down the streets of Atlanta and I pretended to sprain my ankle and I went from spraining my ankle to popping the question. And it was a scale of emotion the internet hadn't really seen before in a mm. three and a half minute clip that I put on ChristopherTuff.com. We ended up getting 7 million views in four days. Good Morning America flew down. We got our pictures on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. And I was like, boom, that is ridiculousness, right? So <laughs> it's like, dad, by the way, I think I've hit this kind of this place, right? That, that secret spot. And, and Alex, like what, I love, like what I love to emphasize though is, you know, what started as that passion then became my currency, right? And I, and I mean that all of us, if we look in ourselves, we all have currencies that we get paid for. And then we have sub currencies that just excite us, right? So for me, people, and it's why do people go to you for advice? You know, for so long, people call me, be like, hey, Chris, I have this digital media or social media problem. And, and that's really what I got paid for as well as what I would kind of talk to them and why they would reach out to me. But people also go to me for like good spots to kiteboard, where to get cool glasses, right? There are all these things that are comprised of our currencies and sub currencies. And one of the most critical pieces of understanding um, your own currencies is that your currencies evolve, but yet our job tracks don't always follow suit. So it's absolutely essential that everyone always has a side hustle and passion project because it's only through that that we can adequately evolve our currencies with time. And so I use myself as the example, right? Let's mm -hmm. put it in the application, Alex. I was the digital and social guy and I then felt inspired by this younger generation where I felt like they were getting kind of dragged through the dirt. And I was like, actually, some of the best employees I've ever had, you're just managing them wrong. And I tell these leaders that and they're like, wow, Chris, you might have a point. I'm like, I'm going to write this book. And I wrote the book and ended up becoming a bestseller. And now I don't do anything in digital and social media, right? That was my side hustle. Writing the book, The Millennial Whisper was my side hustle. And now yeah. it's kind of my full-time hustle at the agency where I'm a partner, 22 Squared, where I just use the book to get into the doors of these different corporations. And then we start talking about, and that's a relationship thing. And so it's absolutely essential that as leaders, we give people the ability to curate and fuel those passions and, and side hustles, but also that within ourselves, that we're constantly iterating on what it is that, that fulfills us. Uh, especially if you look at how your job lines up to your own purpose, mm. right? So, your so instead of, yeah. So instead of like suppressing, like you was talking about suppressing that, that, yeah, I can see how that can, you know, agitate people. It can cause them to, you know, that 80 was 87%. Yeah. But people don't like their jobs because they're being suppressed. Where, exactly. you know, they're creative. Ex and, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things also, like I say that this is all about meeting in the middle and stuff. And, you know, Nike is a good example. Like the first thing I'll ask uh, their younger all-star employees is, does my 70-30 rule apply to you? And my 70-30 rule is just this understanding that 30% of your job is just going to suck, right? 30% of life is going to be hard. And 70% should fire you up and fuel you up. And the first question I ask is, do you have that balance? Is it 70-30? And sometimes people are like, yeah, it's 70-30 the other way. 70% of my job sucks. 30% is actually exciting. And what I'll tell leaders is in those situations, there's that much more pressure on you to take on the role of a mentor and a coach outside of just being the leader and to help your people find those passions and side hustles and these other pieces that will offset that 70% and suck, right? Mm, um, yeah. And so, you know, anyways, I'm digressing on no, that. No, no, that's, man, that's great, I'm man. I'm looking at like my old job, right? Playing, yeah. playing professional football. Man, it wasn't all peaches and gravy. Yeah. I, I hated training camp. You know what I'm saying? I'm away from my family for four weeks. And, and, and that's the, you know, the piece that, that people don't, don't really you know, like to hear, but yeah, football or sports or whatever, it's not everything is a hundred percent like you love it. There's a, there's a part of that, that 
it stinks. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be here. This, you know, the, the thing that really um, that helped along that during that training camp or those those tough times during injuries or you know setbacks and all that stuff during my career was relationships. And so I want to talk a little mm. bit about that with you. You know, I know sure. you got a new book coming out. And um, yeah, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, how, how important is those relationships, whether it's at work or at home? Like what yeah. type of value do you put on that? Or, or those millennials or anybody? So we got to throw out the window this idea that bosses can't be uh, friends with their people. And I would say you actually turn everything on its head that when millennials, especially younger millennials and Gen Zers enter your workforce and young people that are listening, you get this, you want a real bond with your boss, right? You want a, re a genuine connection with them. So you got to throw that out the window. And when it all comes, what it all comes down to is connection and genuine connection. And that's true both internally with our own cultures and our people and everyone on our team, but also externally as we go to sell and network for our organizations. And we live in a society, I think we can all attest to this, that we want instant gratification and we aren't necessarily always willing to put in the work. And so from a sales perspective, how that appears is look at my inbox any day. It's, I get over 300 emails every day of people asking for my time or asking for something without them doing any research as to who I am and what makes me up and, and why I'm, you know, they just go in for the ask so early. So the name of the new book is Save Your Asks, A-S-K-S. And it's a call to action that if we focus on connection, genuine connection, and, and all young people as you're, that are listening to this, as you're going to network, as you're going to try to create job interviews for yourself, if you go out there with the intention of creating connection first and a job second, you'll be a lot more um, successful in that journey. And I've got a few tactics that we can talk about of how to apply this stuff. But that was going to be um, my next question. Connection. It's, it's all about connection. Oh, are you ready for this? So, one? so, right. so, so check this out. So yeah, check yeah. this out. There's yeah, yeah, so many. Yeah. There's so many of uh, of my my young listeners. You know, between whatever eighteen and and thirty, that a lot of them. Because of this right here, I'm holding up a cell phone. Sure. But this is how they connect. But then what happens? And, and this is like with, you know, whether it's um, professionally or personally, you know, you're trying to, you know, meet someone and have a relationship. But everything is so digital. Like, how do you help those? How do those people connect on a more personal, you know, one-on-one, face-to-face yeah. type of way? So I don't know if you're going to like this answer, but okay. I would say that you can still do it digitally, right? You can still do it. I use an example in my last book, The Millennial Whisperer, where I was going up to Snapchat to meet this guy, Adam, with a coworker. And I go to meet him and I gave him a huge bro hug. He had just, I'd known him for six years at Facebook and, you know, we're kind of broing it out. And Chrissy's like, you know, enough guys, like... I'm asking about his seven-month-old daughter. And she's like, how long have you guys known each other? And I was like, Adam, how long's it been? And he was like, I don't know, like six years, like early days of Facebook, blah, blah, blah. She was like, huh, interesting. When was the last time you guys hung out? And I looked at him. I was like, dude, we've never met in person. Oh, we've never met. <laughs> we've never met. All of this relationship has been built on a closed Facebook group, text, and like video messages, and maybe a couple of Zooms. Um, back then or FaceTimes, right? Yeah. And so I used that. I was like, there's still ways that we can, we've never met before, but I feel like, especially after this experience, like we're going to have a bond. And if I saw you somewhere, I'd, I'd go in and, you know, with my mask on, give you yeah, a prologue yeah. or whatever, uh, yeah. right? Like, so, so it's like, um, it, it's less about how we do it. I mean, it's less about whether it's in person or um, digitally, it's more about how we do it. And okay. one of my concepts, it, I have two concepts I'm going to bring up. One is a race to the middle. And a race to the middle is something where how fast can you find a common passion point with you and that other person that you're going to meet with, right? Mm. And we've got all the tools in the world. We've got Instagram. we got all, everything online. So I can tell, oh, um, you know, uh, that 
the person I'm about to meet with is a huge um, Seahawks fan and we can talk about the sports and we start it there. Or I can see that they grill on a big green egg and I'm a big green egg fan or that they have young daughters just like me and or they were born in Ohio and I was born in Akron. You find those common passion points and you take it through that conversation. And that can be happening digitally or face to face. But so many people are lazy and don't want to do that research that they don't go in even talking to me. They don't even know I'm a writer. Uh, 95% of the people that reach out to me on LinkedIn and on email, they don't even mention the fact that I wrote this book. And I'll use an example in a second of just how, how outrageous it gets. But instead, do a little bit of research and, or in that conversation when you're at a networking event. A race to the middle is how fast can you find that common passion point? And then that acts as that foundation. And it was interesting because I was talking to a bunch of executives about this concept. And one of the guys, he's an executive at a very big corporation, right? He was like, listen, Chris, I do this in my sleep. Because I was telling him it takes me, uh, uh, on average, an, uh, one minute and 20 seconds to find a common passion point in person when I don't have any ability to research. Okay. He was like, I do the same. But what's awkward is when I'm sitting at that dinner or around that round table, and I'm like, how, he's like, how do you take it to the next level? And I said, it comes down to one question. And it's a question that we don't talk near enough about. And it's, what is your dream? And the second that you ask that question and they're willing to answer, there is a bond. But not only that, but when, you, when that person shares their dream, they're being vulnerable enough to let you in. And then through that, when you say, uh, for example, that you want to write a book, I know how to write a book. Let me help you do it. I'll give you the right tools. You are instantly creating a reciprocity piece that is a bond that can last forever. So when it comes time for me to get 20 minutes of your time for my team to come in and pitch you on what we do or what we're selling, you're like, hell yeah, right? Mm. And so in, by focusing in on that race to the middle, it, it's so important that we do the research. And so here's my quick uh, kind of story to that. This company from, uh, there's a dude from Domo, which is a publicly traded uh, software company out in San Francisco. They kept reaching out to me. And literally five times in a row, it went unanswered. And then he tried something where he, and he was just like, hey, can I get 15 minutes of your time? I want to show you our software, blah, blah, blah. And it's the same thing after like the same canned email. I'm like, oh, this is so annoying. I just don't even look at it, right? Mm -hmm. And then finally he goes, have you read any good books lately? And so I email back. I'm like, this is unbelievable because my story, my, my example in the Millennial Whisperer, which has sold over 100,000 copies, my story is Domo. My main story is what I call my big blue rooster story, which is I use them as the example of top-down rewards and recognition where on people's first day at Domo, they put their name and then you have your at-bat song. So what do you want to play over the loudspeakers when you um, go up to bat or you're going to speak or whatever? And on the first day of every month, what Domo does is they uh, will play the at-bat song of the number one salesperson of that month. Blue sirens go off, and then they take a 10-foot blue rooster to sit next to that person's desk for the month. <laughs> and I'm like, to the Domo, when I was interviewing the founders of Domo, I'm like, okay. how much do you give cash bonuses? Do you give away other stuff? They're like, no, we just have the big blue rooster. And so this guy, right, from Domo, oh. reaches out five times. He asked me if I've read any good books. I was like, I, I, I got to do this. I was like, listen, I don't mean to be a jerk, but I'm writing a book right now, and it's, all, it's called Save Your Asks. And one of the premises is a race to the middle. And if you had done a little bit of research, Brad, if you had done a little bit of research, you would have seen I wrote a best-selling book. And I use you guys as the example in it. And he, was like, <laughs> and he responded. He was like, oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. And so my advice to everyone listening is just do a little bit of research and zone in on the stuff that you're also excited about, right? Mm. And it's through that that we're able to, I think, develop that foundation. And then you take it to the next level when you're able to talk about like what fires you up? What's your dream? What do you really want to do in this world? And so that's kind of the race to the middle and, and that whole nugget. I, I could talk about another top tactic called Shawshanking, but I don't know if you want me to go there. Or not. Uh, man, come on. Shawshanking, that's okay. one of my top five movies, so I'm in. Oh, okay. So <laughs> Shawshank Redemption, right? So here I was, 2012. 
I was sitting at dinner with a guy named Jason Beckerman, who has a big software company. And we had just signed one of the biggest deals of Jason's life. And I turned to Jason. I was like, dude, as a sales guy, I got to ask you how you did it. We met six years ago, right? As Facebook was kind of taking off, we were in this small Facebook group. And I said, Jason, here we are signing a deal. And I am the most ADHD guy in the world. I'm impossible to pin down, but you did it. You, 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 you achieved like kind of the impossible from a sales side. How'd you do it? He goes, I Shawshank your ass. I was like, Shawshank, is that a verb? I mean, I know Shawshank Redemption. Explain it yeah. to me. He said, Every single week for the last seven years, I've had one touch point with you. And it's been on Instagram message. It's been on email. It's been on uh, video chats. But every single week, we've had a touch point. And it was through that that we developed a solid relationship. And obviously, I had an offering that you guys needed. And I said, oh, my gosh. I just got a call from a Fortune 100 company, and they wanted their help, my help as a, with the, in the digital and social space. And I was kind of rude to them and brushed them off because they wanted to hire me versus hire my firm, 22 Squared. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to go reach out to them, and I'm going to Shawshank them. And what's so awesome is I went down there and met them. They both became these people. These two people um, became two of my good friends over a year and a half. And it, it was 18 months later that we landed them as a client. And they're now our third largest client at the agency. Wow. And Look it's because that. I use this tactic of Shawshanking. So, right? so, so gotta, I have to explain it because Shawsh yeah. uh, not everybody has, has watched Shawshank sure. Redemption. So I remember that, you know, so it was in prison. I forget the name of the actor, but it, it he had like, a, okay, yeah, there you go. And he had a little, what do you have, a little spoon? Yeah. A little spoon. Sure. And he sure. dug, he dug through the, uh, through the jail cell. And he, and he yeah. dug like all the way out to, to the, um, what was it? He dug out to the, uh, I'm going to say river. But was the, it the river or the? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but you're exactly right. He got yeah, out free he, by, by yeah. every, so, so often, chip away, get, get some dirt moved the dirt and he, and he did that for, I don't know how many years, but they, okay, now that makes sense. Exactly. That's cool. And you know, it was interesting because now that, no, as I'm writing the book, I reached out to that same guy and I was like, Mike, during that 18 month court trip where I chipped away and whatever, did I ever ask for anything from you? Because the name of my new book is Save Your Ask. He was like, not once did you ever ask me for anything. And you know, listen, like I think there's a line there, right? Because you got to know, when it is that you want to go in for that ask. And one of my philosophies and another tactic, right, is that if you go in for your ask during that process, it's a lot more effective if you orient that ask around your own dream. And so, for example, I, and we're about to, I'm about to interview you for my book, right? And yeah. I end every interview the same way. And I say, it is my dream. So I'm orienting what I am uh, and what I'm doing around my dream. I say, it is my dream to have impact on more blue collared workers and young people that have just graduated or trying to find their way in the workforce lives. I wanna give them a handbook that they can take action on immediately to help them live a more fulfilled and profit filled life, both monetarily and mentally in every way. Who in your network do I have to talk to now that we've talked about some of these things? And immediately people get fired oh, up. They're yeah. like, oh, you got to talk to my friend Gwyneth Paltrow about what she's done at Goop. Or you've got to talk to uh, P. Diddy over uh, at what he's doing um, with building Revolt TV. Or you've got to talk to uh, Kelly Slater and Raymana about what they've done around creating currencies around surfing. And here I am, I'm interviewing these people. I'm like, how, I, how am I here right now? Like, how is this happening? And it's because I oriented that ask around my dream. And see, a lot of folks, and I was once there where I didn't know what my dream, I didn't know who I was. So first, I think you got to understand like who, who you are. And for many of us, who we, who we are is what we do, right? It's, it, it's our platform, it's what we do. But I think you have to pull yourself away from that. It's like, man, what 
what do I want? What what is my what is my dream? Right? Yeah. I mean, and it's and you have to do some deep, like you talk about research. Research. Yeah. You have to you have to do research on people, but you also have to do deep research on yourself. Totally. And, and I mean, I think it all starts with purpose. And, you know, I work with all of my young employees that are probably around the listeners' ages. You know, I have my employees are 23 to, you know, 40. And the first thing that we do when people start is, is identifying your purpose statement. And what I emphasize to people, and actually on page 92 of the Millennial Whisperer, and I can give you a copy of it to send out if anyone wants it, but I have the exercise that I take everyone through. And what that does is it puts a stake in the ground of exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. is like, where is it that I'm marching towards? What is it that um, I find fulfillment in? And why am I here? And my, my, for example, my purpose, everything filters through it. And it's to inspire and connect. Look at what we're doing right now, right? Mm -hmm. When I say, should I take this? Should I not? I put it through that filter of what is my purpose to inspire and connect? And now, um, will it have the impact um, that, I, that I need, that I want it to have? right? Which is my metric of success is impact made in a day. And so it's with those two things, understanding what it is that your purpose is, and then redefining what success means and making it a little shorter term versus becoming a millionaire and some of those other ridiculous things, yeah. right? It's, I think that's where we need to be focusing our energies out of the gate. And then from that, it tells you I should interview for this and I shouldn't interview for that. I should take this uh, introduction that, you know, is convenient. Um, you know, it's because I, I now see the other side of it, and you do too, where you, you see these people that are 10 years into, a, uh, or 15, 20 years into a journey at a corporation or as a certain profession, like a lawyer or a doctor, and they're turning to me and they're like, Chris, I hate this. I hate what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all right, it's time for a side hustle, baby. Right? So you don't want to be that person. And by, yeah. by defining your purpose and doing some of the work, we're able to, uh, I think, avoid some of those things and also evolve and kind of move with this what is life um, in the right way. Right. And that's one of the saddest things to be like if you're, you know, you're 22, 23 years old and then now you're 43. Are you the same person? Right. No. And that's like that. That's sad. Right. Hopefully you have right. evolved and made yourself right. better and found your purpose. And it took, it took exactly. me a while. Yeah, it took me a while. Man, this is beautiful. And you're never too young to do it. You know, like, and yeah. listen, the, it, the worst thing you can do is nothing, right? It's the same thing with like your people, right? The worst thing you can do is nothing. Just put a stake in the ground and you can move where that stake lives. Um, but just do it for the time being. And then you can go ahead and put it wherever you want. But know what it is that you're marching towards. Mm, I like that. I like that a lot. So... Uh, Chris, so we get into the point of my podcast where I like to kind of dive in. We call it the blitz period. And so with, yeah. with football, you know, there's, and during practice, we have these different periods, right, where, you, you know, you focus on one, one specific thing. And so now, so this one specific thing, our blitz period, I want to I just talk a little bit. I'm going to uh, fire some questions off to you, and then I want to, you know, I want you to, I want you to answer it. You can take as much time or as little time as needed. But Sweet. one thing, man, is like, how do you structure your life? Like what, how do you structure your life or even just your day? Let's go with, Great how about question. this? Let's go, how do you structure your day and then how do you structure your life? Yeah, so, I mean, to me, it, um, I mean, it, it, once again, everything does go back to my purpose, right? right? To inspire and connect, but it also comes back to my own priorities, which is my family and my two daughters and my wife. And, you know, I think for, I hit, I start my book, The Millennial Whisperer, about my rock bottom, which I hit a rock bottom because I had lost sight of those things that were so important to me, as well as having the wrong metric of success. Mm -hmm. And, you know, through changing that metric of success from beating my brothers in the game of my, uh, in the game of life, and both my brothers are massive overachievers, and that's what I was kind of putting success to. I threw that out the window. I was like, success is going to be judged when my head hits the pillow every night. And it's, did I have the impact that my, that I intended to through the energy that I put out into the world. And in the lot since putting that in place, I've been successful every single night. And, um, you know, that, I think it's, yeah, I mean, and it's, you know, it's interesting too, like, because by 
by I talk about champagne moments and what social media has taught all of us is that you only hear of champagne moments in sports. It's, the, it's only the touchdowns, right? It's not all the practices. And I I'm literally sitting in my buddy's tattoo parlor and I just, you can't see that, this people. That's but a pretty cool I just tattoo. Got, uh, so I just yeah. got this one tattoo on, on the, my left side. I've got a full sleeve Dang. on my right side. Okay. And why, why I got it was, exactly this right if you take it down to just the essence of what you are right if you take it down to the simplicity of just uh throw away all of the noise and the clutter and the things that we're always racing to do what is it that lives there and for me it's 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 my family and it's the it, it is the journey right and it's this kind of choosing joy over happiness that fleeting happiness and not going after those champagne moments and so once again, for me, it's, it's, it's so essential that our, um, our metrics of success reflect that um, and then that our actions also follow suit. So I don't even remember what the original question was. I love that. No, no, I was like, man, how do you structure your life? But, but, but yeah, like was talking yeah. I mean, about, and, working like, out, and working out is absolutely essential. Um, working out. At least 45, yeah. 45 minutes at least of working out every single day. So health. And, you know, and also, important. yeah, health, mat. Love Eating healthy, what I put in my body, hydrating. Um, you know, I, I quit drinking also three years ago, which was a really important thing for me. Mm -hmm. um, all my friends drink and I, I love being around them drinking. But for me, that was an important move as well. And so, you know, that to me, so, so that, those are the things that I think are so uh, essential right you know what it's so cool man because you know you're talking about um having impact you want to have an, imp an impact but an intentional impact because a lot of us we have impacts and we don't even know was it a good impact or was it bad and so i i love the fact that you really honed in on the impact that you intended to have right i'm going to take it to the next level ready let's go so it's also different and this is why you are going to write a book, Alex, and I'm so excited that you're going to be doing that because there's a huge difference of having impact to people and having impact through people, right? You know, because for me, that impact was only felt when I was in front of an audience, right? Or making the speech or, um, you know, getting people fired up and watching that inspiration and connection take place, right? Being my purpose. And now it's literally right now, this could never go live, but I'm having an impact. Someone's reading my book. Someone's watching a video. Someone's understanding that's happening. And then also the people that I take under my own wing, which I have deliberately taken about six individuals um, as a mentor, mm -hmm. that I know that through them, I'm having impact. So taking this idea of impact instead of two people and then through people is also essential. Yeah, man, you know, talking with you and it, one of the things that, that I, I speak on and I live by is uh, alignment, assignment, and adjustment. And so it sounds, man, like you are aligned with who you are, like your purpose. Like you know your assignment and you and mm. everything, whether it's, you know, stopping drinking or health and all that stuff, you know what your alignment is. You know what yep. your alignment is and it's aligned to your, what your foundation is. And so I, I think that's so important, you know, because, you know, there's tension that comes. There's a lot of things that come when you're not a lot of people there. They don't know what their foundation is. They're not aligned correctly with that foundation. And then they're doing a, uh, an assignment that's not really theirs. It's somebody else's. Mm. And it's a lot of tension. And that's not where joy lives. Joy doesn't no. live when you're not aligned with your passions. You're not aligned with your assignment. And then you, and then you're not making the adjustments to meet those, right? It's uh, so it, it really sounds, man, like you're like you're you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. If that makes sense, a hundred percent. And you know, I think there's also something in that with, you know, the I mean, and that's also kind of the importance of this new tattoo that I literally just got inked up on. Yeah. But you know, the importance of slowing down to speed up and 
taking that deep breath, right? And you know, I use uh, uh, this past weekend. I went to the Outer Banks, North Carolina, with two of my best guy friends, and we kiteboarded over a hundred miles each day. And I mean, I mean, you can see. I mean, uh, people can't see obviously, but I've got huge sunburns. The two yeah, spots that I missed were under sun. my eyes. You got right? some but, sun. That is what fuels my soul. By doing that, by taking that time out, by doing that, I'm going to be a better father, a better husband, a better worker. And I, I, I fill that bucket again, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's taking the time out. But also, you know, I think the importance of some of the things that I'm now working hard at, which is like my, my, my internet at home's out, right? Like I'm so stressed out about it. It's like, okay, well, really? Come on now. Like, really? Like, let's take this in. Get out the notebook. Come yeah. on. Like, get out the notebook. Let's start writing this next book. There's so much stuff that I can be focused on, right? Love it, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I think there's something really important in, in all of that. And, you know, I think if you, we look at our progress, right, I think it's also important, like, judgment, self-judgment and acceptance with myself was a big part of my turning the corner with my own rock bottom. And, you know, part of that is that when we look back on ourselves three months ago, and we do this in sports too, like it's easy to be like, oh, I was so good back then. Or, you know, or even looking at like film of yourself, you're like, ah, oh, ah, oh, I can't believe I was so bad at this sport, right? Like I look back at old kiteboarding pictures of me and I'm like, oh, I wouldn't show anyone that. I'm like, you know, yeah. but instead of looking at yourself that way, we should always be at this rate of progression, at this rate of self-development that even three months ago, that seems immature to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying, oh, I was so immature back then, you, you, you turn that around and you say, look at how far I've come. And I hope in another three months, I look back on this moment and think back, oh, look at how far I've come, right? And, yeah. and that's just such a different shift in mindset. And I think we're in this world right now where everything's focused to negativity. Like everyone's choosing dark over light. And my whole mantra is choose light over dark. And it's up to us to do it for ourselves and then also the people all around us, right? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. What makes a high performer? Um, walking the talk. You know, I think there's a lot of... Um, I have this saying that I end every speech with and I challenge people with, and I'm, I'm going to have anyone listening right now, put this into life, turn your let's into buy when. And I mean, what there's no worse email than getting, Hey, let's do this. Let's do that. And then nothing happens. Mm. Right. We got to walk the talk more. We got to put in the work. We got to put in the practice days. We got to go to the gym. We got to wake up more at five o'clock and get that stuff in, in order to actually see the big stuff end up following suit. And so we got to walk the talk, but also in that one of the best tactics for that is turning let's into buy when. And so even from a networking perspective, one of the emphasis that I have on this new book, Save Your Asks, is when you're networking, it's so easy to be like, hey, let's grab coffee or let's grab lunch or let's grab dinner or let's do that Zoom chat in COVID world or let's do this. And then nothing happens. So I challenge everyone when that comes up, say, buy, answer it with a buy when immediately. And what will happen is you'll get out your calendar and you're going to be like, okay, how about next Tuesday at three o'clock? Right? And you're going to find out pretty quickly whether or not they were, I have. <gasps> were they just talking? Or were they yeah, just talking? Yeah. Or did they the mean it? Did it? A, the empty ask is that, right? Where it's like, oh yeah, uh, I'll, I'll take you to that game. That game, I got you tickets. And then it's like, hey, the, the game's coming up. Can I get those tickets? Be like, what? Right? Like it's, uh, <laughs> that's the empty ask. So yeah. I, uh, once again, high performers, it's you got to walk the talk. You got to put in the work. I love that. And man, you're talking so much about like relationships and it's like, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in foundation, foundational principles. I can take these, what you've talked about. I can take that in the business or corporate world when sales or whatever. And I can also take it to my personal. If I'm trying sure. to meet, say, if I'm trying to meet someone, or but that's not me, I'm married. But let's say my son is trying to meet someone, my daughter, right? I hopefully they did some research on them. They yeah. did some research on them. They get to know them. They get to ask those questions that very meaningful. What's their what's their uh what's their dream? And you build that connection. And you get that connection, you know, now character, character is a big thing. You gotta be able to know, you know, who they who they are. But yeah, I mean, you, you asking questions, 
And I didn't do that back then. I didn't used to do that. I used to depend. I walk in the room, I'm me. I'm the football yeah. player. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And some people call me the best. And, and that was yeah. it. There was no relationships being built. And that will only last as long as your career, right? Look at that. Like, Look and my wife—I mean, and my wife is a pro soccer player. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I knew that's right. You know, I, I see. Uh, I see, and a lot of my friends are have either played or are playing, and not a lot, a handful of them. And it's it's hard for me to watch, right? Because to a certain extent, unless once again, side hustles, passion projects, right? It's so essential, especially pro athletes start doing that because at some point there's not going to be a line out there waiting for your autograph, you know? You're so incredibly right. And when you put so much emphasis on, you know, whatever platform that is, and when that platform leaves or is gone, if you haven't been working on yourself, if you haven't been working on that side hustle, you're going to be down in the dumps. And I am, I am that, that person where I was lost and I didn't know what my purpose was. And I didn't, I was, I was down, I'm down in the dumps. And I finally figured out what I wanted to do. And I wanted to, and, and it gave me, it gave me joy. It gave me purpose. And I wanted to work with other athletes. I wanted to make them better. I wanted to make them more resilient, faster, quicker, whatever. It didn't matter what sport. And so I did that and, and still doing it. But now I, f I have new purpose. Like I've, a, I've, um, I've adjusted. And what gives me mm. great joy now, man, is helping not just athletes become better athletes, it's helping them become better people. Because I know mm. man, when they're aligned and helping them find their purpose, because I went down that road, man, you can have so much joy in the experiences that they have from, from their previous platform is, man, they can do so much in this world. They have so much influence. They just don't know how to use it. And so that's what my... I love it. That's what my passion is. It's helping, you know, athletes, former athletes, no matter if they just retired or they just finished with college, but helping them find their purpose. And you oh, don't, you know, just, so you don't big. just, you don't just get it from graduating. That's not just it. You get a piece of paper. That's that, that ain't it. Did I ever introduce you to my friend Hunter Hillemeyer? You have not. You played. Okay, so I got to introduce you guys. I'll do that after this. Um, oh, by when? After this. But so Hunter, <laughs> he, when he was playing for the Bears, man, you know, but you talk about side hustles, right? Like, for all, everyone should be constantly looking at life and be like, where's the opportunity? Could love this it. maybe be a little side hustle, right? And I love using Hunter as an example of a pro athlete that did that effectively, right? Massive overachiever. We went to Vanderbilt together. He actually, he saved me one time as I got stuck. My shorts got stuck on um, a fence once outside one of the parties we were at. And he like came in and he like took me off of the pole and he put me down. I was like, thanks, Hunter. We didn't know each other that well back then. But one thing he saw in the locker room, he was like, it's interesting how in the locker room, everyone's playing Xbox Live, right? And he was like, why isn't there anyone they'll be on these Xbox live on these Xbox lives playing whether Madden or 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 FIFA or whatever and these kids are looking at their 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 um these pro athletes they're like is this really Hunter Hillenmeyer am i really playing him all right so one of the insights that Hunter was working off of when he was in the locker room was you know these kids are able to play Madden live you know Mad at Madden on Xbox live or uh, FIFA with their, with their rock star kind of like athlete um, idols, right? So he was like, why isn't there anyone connecting those people? So he created the Overdog, which connected fans with pro sports players via Xbox Live. That would be brought to you by sponsorships. And he bought it, he sold it to Microsoft for you know, a good sum of money because of that insight that he activated, right? Wow. And I use that like, so, and one of those key things, especially for pro athletes is that deep within ourselves, it's, it's oftentimes we find it hard to evolve our currencies from one to another, right? Mm -hmm. And instead your, your currencies, if you, especially if you're, you're building your foundation on the place that you are passionate and, you know, originally passionate about, usually you'll find that they're not that far off of where you came from. 
right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, take my stuff. I'm a digital and social guy that kind of has evolved to kind of more of the culture and now leadership. It's not that far off. Got Usually it. it lives somewhere kind of in, in, in that, in that world, uh, in that foundation. It's just honing it. Right. And we yeah. always, always, we got to always be honing it. I digress. I get no. overly excited. They call <laughs> it a passion it. disorder. <laughs> All right. I love it. Well, um, so, okay. So here's my last question. It's like, and really it's not a question, man. Am I missing anything else from you? I, I love to scrape the plate when I have my guest on, um, I love for them to kind of dive into a certain topic. Is there anything else that, what question should I have asked you? You know, to me, it's, uh, I think you've got a lot of the tactics in, right? So turning let's into buy when, right? Let's make yeah. sure we're doing that. When we're, when we're uh, let's, we'll recap quickly. When we're networking, let's look at the race to the middle, find a common passion point. Let's use Shawshanking as a tactic, right? Let's yes, you know, develop that. it with time. Um, let's go ahead and save our ask and, and don't be an asshole, which are the people that go in for like two or three asks in a row, right? Boom, 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 like boom, if we okay. do all of those things um, and we focus in, we do the work and we find our purpose and we define that like nothing but opportunity will show itself. And so, you know, I, I would, I'd say like, that's the best of, especially if you take the I love book it. and the new book. Right. But, yeah. um, you know, I think it's, uh, we got to take action. And, you know, one thing that I think has been really important for me is accountability. And I have a group of guys here, they call, we call ourselves like the grade eight, but it's eight kind of overachieving, very diverse people Mm -hmm. um, that uh, we get together and we talk about life. You know, we, we get vulnerable, but we also hold each other accountable with goals. And so, our last session was quarterly, our quarterly goals, personal, professional, um, and family. And we have a goal for each one and we hold each other accountable to those things. So I, I think it. accountability, camaraderie, and getting vulnerable with some of the people that are near and dear to you, or if they don't exist, you got to find new people, right? Mm-hmm. So if we can't do that, then what are we living for? Yeah. Yeah. And that's awesome. That's awesome, Chris. Chris, man, hey, thank you so much, man. This has been, you know, it's great. Every time I speak with you, man, I, I, I leave smiling. I have new, a better insight on things. Like, man, I didn't think about it like that. You know, it's just, I, I think you, you have to have people like that in your life. And I'm, I'm so very happy that, you're, that you can do that for my, for my listeners on The Shark Effect. So thank you, my man. Yeah, keep doing what you're doing. It, uh, uh, you know, I, I say to everyone, like the best is yet to come. And uh, we got to choose light. And thank you for having me on and being able to impact through people. If anyone wants to get in touch with me, reach out to yes. me on Instagram. I'll respond to everyone. Uh, tough22, T-U-F-F-2-2. Um, if you need any sort of advice, whatever, like I, uh, that's probably the best place to get in touch with me, weirdly. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, take it from there. New book. When is that? When can people expect that to come out? When is that? So it's been so effective for networking and my job for opening up doors at places. Mm-hmm. I hope it never publishes, but I think about a year from now is okay, when it'll publish. Now. So yeah, uh, I did the last, uh, the millennial whisper I wrote in four months. This one I'm taking about eight months to, um, to write. So gotcha. we are looking at uh, 2021. Gotcha, 2021. Okay. And then any website that, or is it social media is the best thing on, on, on the ground? Yeah, social or? media. And then, I mean, if you, yeah, or the millennialwhisper.com, um, you can get in touch with me. You can actually, uh, for any of the older listeners that have millennial workforces, you can go ahead and take my, if you go to quiz.themillennialwhisper.com, uh, you can take my quiz and assessment. I'll tell you what type of millennial leader you are. And then I also will give oh. you a free copy of my book, The Millennial Whisper, through that. Uh, I'll tell, about, tell you about your strengths and weaknesses. And so that's probably the best stuff for that. Um, for our, our uh, advertising agency, um, it's 22squared22squared.com. And um, uh, we have an awesome internship program. It's very competitive. Oh, I like but this. You guys, know like how this. To, you guys know how to work the back channel with the Instagram. Um, but yeah, uh-huh. it's crazy. We get over, I think, 2,000 applicants every summer for about 20 spots. Um, 
So uh, yeah, it gets very competitive, but it's awesome. Um, very hands-on and um, yeah. yeah I hope, I think uh, impactful, but yeah, reach out yeah. with anything. I, uh, I thrive on connection. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right, man. Well, thank you so much once again, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for Higher Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking to transition, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever, if you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down. I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making, that can help you with influencing others. And how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter. Developing your own procedures, creating relationship roadmaps, using adversity to your advantage, right? Because we all go through tough times, but how do you flip it? How do you use it to power you? Okay? And then developing your own standards. So these are things that can help anybody, not just not just athletes. Now, there's some stories in there, you know, that covers topics that that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. Okay, so make sure check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.